Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. Multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half. How'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning and then 45 minutes later she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I, I uh, my recommendation. I don't even follow it myself. Sometimes just don't check Twitter until at least afternoon. Don't start your day with that bullshit. Oh, but yeah. So if we look at online, there's some people doing some good stuff out there, doing some good work, but. Most of like Instagram and Twitter, they're built off an inadequacy. They're inadequacy factors, right? They're all these things mm-hmm. you're never going to do and this and that. And they're all manipulated yeah. to be super shiny. That's why I was going through your profile. I really appreciated it. You know, uh, some people are still able to make a real good go at it while being real, you know, mm-hmm. um, instead of this like super glossy thing. And yeah, well, just in the dopamine releases, all the factors, oh, we all yeah. know the, the sickness that is, that is potentially attached to it. Um, but I think just like anything cool with the art of war it's also going to be it's going to eat itself too because it's it's disconnected us in a lot of ways but it will be the factor i think can the technology in those realms to actually connect us again um because it's helping us see how you know people around the world are living and what's more interesting yeah. and whatnot like right it now is- it's being manipulated for marketing but it is doing that as well you know Yes, part of the part of the algorithm is to uh, show you show you stuff for someone else's agenda. But I mean, it, it yeah, there's some there's some good stuff on there, and it is fun. But it's also good to uh, like put the phone down and get outside among normal people and realize that most people most people are good. It's just the I think the ratings and the and the clicks and the likes come from violence and uh, bad shit. But you know, grain of salt with well, all of it. So I call that. Um, trauma porn. Nice. So that's very good. Yeah. Where people resonate with it and they get addicted to it and it keeps them in that low plane and then it feeds into it. It's like, well, this is what people want, you know? And it's like, there's no, there's no, there may be like an ultimate puppet master at the top that has like a hierarchical agenda that serves them best. But I think we're all a little guilty in this. Oh, this we are. And the more you click on the game. like the the I I'm I'm not a big fan of the street fighting videos that you see people whooping each other's asses. But the more you watch them, the more it gets sent to you. So it's yeah. a, it is a puppet master. It is an algorithm, and sums out to. But like uh, you know, again, if you there's a difference between seeing what's going on on your phone and then seeing what's going on for real. Like I, I'm fortunate. I get to travel quite a bit and I talk to people face to face and most people, most people want what's right. Most people are good. They, they care about each other. It's, it's at least, at least where I travel. Well, you also know this, like you, you've been around the world. It's also hard to really find a fight, especially one that wants to go all the way to dying. 
you mm-hmm. know, like it, like it's not impossible and there is violence and fear. Oh yeah. You can find it, it if you look for it. You, you really, it's not as prolific as one might think, right? Like mm-hmm. most people don't want that. Um, yeah. Most people want to get on with just get on with their lives, get on with their lives. Yeah. Um, now having said that, I wouldn't recommend riding a bike through Afghanistan right now. Cause you know, someone will grab you. <laughs> there's, there's things you don't do. Yep. For sure. You <laughs> yeah. know, um, but be I smart I would about to- being stupid. <laughs> Be smart about being stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to touch on that. Right now, I'm applying for my residency here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like this is one country that a lot of people have a lot to say, you know, about. Within America, you guys love to analyze everything. And from the outside, people love to analyze America, right? And oh, yeah. There's all America's kinds of always th- involved one way or the other. Yeah, it just, that's the, the nature of how history has unfolded, right? Mm-hmm. Where this powerhouse makes a move it's it's going to create waves everywhere so everyone has their thoughts on it uh, like you i travel a lot and especially over the last little while i've been kind of from east to west i've been um figuring out where would i really want to put down roots and whatnot and not once did i have a conversation where i was like Ugh, that person you know what i mean really um yeah it was amazing <laughs> now you know there, I probably wasn't in the seediest of all locations, of you know, like it's one thing to be at the the ski resort on a chairlift with doctors and yeah. lawyers and whatnot and be like, Oh yeah, these are all good people. Um, or at least good conversation. Uh, but I, I've been kind of, there's, there's a lot of places I have been and it's, you know, most people are trying to find these exact concepts that we're talking about. Yeah. And um, it's simple. Start with you, you know, look at, what is triggering you about problem X? Cause everybody seems to have a problem that they want to point their finger at and whatever problem X is, you ask yourself, okay, how am I contributing to problem X in a negative way? How am I contributing to problem X in a positive way? Whatever those are, you know, I'm not going to dictate morality. Mm-hmm. And if one outweighs the other, then it's like, okay, I have to, there's something in my character that's contributing to problem X in a negative way. And I should take a look at myself and uh, see what happens. Yeah, it seems it seems to come back to, to again face, facing the uh, the victimhood or the fear and uh, just facing it and and then and letting it eat, I guess, for lack of a better better term. Can we we got to switch a little bit if you don't mind? Um, sure. Because we're we're talking like a couple guys who have been to combat. We got we got to get into a little bit of your combat if that's okay. I'll, um, I'll, I'll touch a bit if um yeah just, I, just, just, ha, just what, what people are interested what i'm interested in is is how do you get to where you're going because you grew up in in canada and from what i understand it's a place where like, if you start walking north you can get to a spot where there's going to be nobody and yeah. just kind of kind of on a lake right yeah 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 and then um, well what, what, i mean what do you i mean canada's you know you got hockey you got skiing and <laughs> snowmobiling what 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 are you what are you doing growing up um well, hunting, fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of hunting? So I was mostly small game at the mm-hmm. time. Um, bird, you mm-hmm. know, partridge, turkey, that kind of stuff. A little bit of deer. Um, I am questing right now, putting it out into the ether. I do want to have the longest moose kill. <laughs> I was, yeah, um, I was going to ask about that because uh, the moose hunting in Canada is outstanding. It is, yeah, and I, I got some places to go where I can set up these long shots. Uh-huh. What's, so, the, so I, what's the longest shot on a moose? Probably a moose. Uh, it's probably like seven hundred, maybe or something uh-huh. like that. Okay. I think there's a dude down here in the U.S. who has an elk kill at about eight 
thirty yeah. or so. That's a good shot. That's I mean, it's a long that's a long way for shooting unknown distance in the wind and stuff like that. Big target, yeah. but that's a hell of a shot. Well, and yeah, we got to yeah. get into we obviously got to get into the shot towards the end. We got to talk about that one against uh, ISIS, but um, yeah. So no, where, where would you hunt moose? Just to jump around, uh, which part? Uh, Northern Hurricane Ontario. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Northern Ontario is where I go and. Mm-hmm. um like I said, I have these spots that I'm scouting. I, I did a shooting course called ultra long range. And, yep. uh, one of the guys, uh, he's a trapper and we got him up to, I think it was like an 840 yard wow. kill on a bear. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. What's, what's uh, he shooting? 338? No, that was 300 wind mag. Uh, good gun. yeah, yeah. I, um, good gun for that, that range with the bear, like, cause yeah. he was all panicked. Right. Cause a lot of people put a lot of um what is that called um like a sensitivity to trying to shoot an animal at distance you know in case you wound or maim it yeah uh, that's, the ethics a, that's, behind that's it. a yeah that's that's a lot there's a lot with that if you stick them and then they you never find them yeah and then you just maimed an animal like, which is mm-hmm. i think really like for most people yeah don't don't get out there trying to get to that uh that 1k mark you work your way out you know um uh-huh. but just like shifting some concepts about shot placement and what that can do versus, you know, trying to go into the kill box, you know, go for the head if you have that kind of capability and then adding in all the little techniques and stuff that make a shot like that possible. Um, and I don't even think he was running a ballistic computer. He just built up his own dope. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. He sent the video to me. It was really awesome. Uh, super, super cool. Anyways, I'm, I'm, that's something I'd like to do. Yeah um well, let me yeah, know Northern if you need it if you need a spotter <laughs> yeah yeah well i there's, so there's some places down here in the u.s that i'll i'll probably uh look at doing um some sheep hunts or something like that, that yeah cool um, back when i was in the phoenix she, area. She, sheep hunting and goat hunting is no joke because when you pull the trigger that's when the fun stops and the work starts you get <laughs> get up into some of those cliffs and uh, some of those mountains where those things live and they live there for a reason because it's safer Say, and then, yeah uh, and then you, you drop them across a canyon uh-huh. you gotta go get no them. trails and yeah so it's it's a whole different ball game um <laughs> yeah no so, i would say like a lot of it was similar growing up then yeah than was a, it now was know. that what what drove you to the military was it hunting uh or just uh what was it well if i asked you this question i had to leave some... town i wanted to leave town sorry you're gonna ask me a question okay so you didn't you didn't have you didn't have a draw to be a soldier it was just no it was a necessity. I, no time to leave it's like and and i found that too something um um not to get off subject but everywhere i've been i've noticed that people doesn't matter where they're from they always say i just have to get out of here so Seems there's like a, the, a call right a yeah. call for uh-huh. something um to to shift it up to like a knowing almost right i gotta change mm-hmm. this i gotta evolve and usually we 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 perceive it as i have to break this pattern that's yeah. around me um for me the allure of uh, the military was always with me. There, there was like, really, yeah, from a very, very young age, there was something about it. Like looking back, perhaps some of that was like GI Joe and oh yeah, the eighties, the eighties influence. You know, like I, I can't deny that that was glorifying it like crazy. You know, uh, all the Vietnam stuff, but I, but I did have this like natural draw towards wanting to hunt folks like I, I can't really describe it like and, and non-psychotically though you know like as a piece of a puzzle right a nation that has an ideal that needs this job done and um i was i i, 
I think that with my very like outdoor tendencies, a lot of these things kind of falsely lured me to the military, you know, like, Oh, you love camping. Come on out. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We camp <laughs> sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so th- those were like some draws that happened. Um, and then over time life happened. I actually was originally uh, going to sign up in the U S military. Yes. Uh, I-, I heard that. Yeah. I, that I, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. I'm sure it would have been great the other way as well. Um, it was just Canada at the time was still like very much into this peacekeeping role. Yes. And, was that, uh, was this pre nine 11? Yeah. So my, I'd put my paperwork in and then nine 11 actually happened while it was in the processing. Okay. And um, at the time the U S stopped taking. Yeah. Uh, out of citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of died in the water there. And and I was like, okay, well, Canada looks like they're getting involved here. You know, it's yeah, Canada. I, I think JTF two was in Afghanistan in like October two thousand one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were over there, just getting right at it. Yeah, get go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a bit of a shame that it's not spoken about more. Uh, the reason is is I think it's pretty simple. Operators in JTF two also do domestic work. Yes, in Canada, so that changes the dynamic of our opsec quite a bit i'm sure it does uh, but there there is this like um how do we say it? like what do they call it a quiet professional mm-hmm. mentality that goes too far don't you think uh, it goes too the, far i i think it go, like the opsec portion of it i i think is perfect but i think that there is you know lots of people who want to know about it now on this mm-hmm. side of it if i'm being completely honest with you sure uh, i don't try to glorify the military at all on this side um, I mm-hmm. want people to know that if they talk to me about it, I would never, I don't want to sway someone's future because for me, it turned out that it was yeah. one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yes. Even though on this side, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I fully buy into every aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. That's the I way can't... I am too. The, the further I get away from it too, it's like, I would have asked a lot more questions if I either was as smart then or as dumb then <laughs> something like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's definitely room for the growth, but um um, and so joint task force two is the tier one spe- now. Um, but it, so you said you uh, operate a little bit, uh, internally and that that's, is that because the Mounties had us like a counter terror team and that, that became JTF two? Is that how it worked? Yeah. So they had uh, the cert team, um, mm-hmm. which was their reaction team for counter terrorism, but it didn't really make sense because it mostly just functioned nationally. Um, and so they started to combine it with the military and make it uh, uh, more expeditionary and uh, with foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Why it's like that, I could speculate. Um, it's the same reason like the CIA uses, um, you know, six and keg, if you will. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Um, <laughs> you know, like you get the guys who are good at certain roles doing what they're good at doing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Um, and so there's, there's that, right. Um, and it, I think it kind of is just this cool little byproduct of when it was handed over. Cause you know how, when a mandate's made up, it it can be pretty strong and hard to undo if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it included that and it created this really great chance for us to work with, uh, agencies within Canada and, um, it, it changes the dynamic a little, it, it, 
it can feel a little more coppish, if you will, or SWAT mm-hmm. than, um, than, uh, than like soldiering. But it also it changes the dynamic of the unit as well. Um, and it, and it, you know, changes like how we do CQB. It changes uh, mm-hmm. those aspects. Which yeah, has gotta, its, yeah. That's got to change it. And, and pretty much any different environment is going to change a lot of tactics. As you know, right. And and mm-hmm. this is actually where one of the headaches comes in. So um, our unit spearheads our maritime counterterrorism aspects of the national internal external, and it's small. So what's happening yeah. is like, it, it's like, okay, this is like too many asks for one unit. That is a lot too. That that's a, t- I mean, that's, you're talking even cross training with uh, Delta and then like the British SAS, SBS, SEAL team six, like you're, you're being asked to do all of it with a smaller unit. It seems like. Yeah. So it makes the draw really um, huge. That is like such a great aspect of it though. Um, getting to work with these other units, like mm-hmm. that symbiotic uh, learning uh is has catapulted it right because out of all those units you name were by far the youngest mm-hmm. um but i don't know i i think it's a great unit like you said you know early on afghanistan this is like yeah. going back to where it was a shame you know w gave the unit citations you know like like it was there it did a lot of good stuff and it's it, it'll probably start trickling out uh over time i'd imagine right what now, i i i hope it would too as long as you know not giving up uh, tactics and procedures, but people should know the history and know what people did over there. We, we, we like, especially in Kandahar, we worked with Kansoff quite a bit and just a phenomenal reputation. You guys were fucking great. And, uh, you know, we've, you, you've been to the, to where we work in Virginia beach a few times, had a lot of fun too. Uh, one, I mean, just with the guys too, we talk about sense of humor and the morale um, of the Kansoff. Uh, uh, one of the best descriptions I heard is they're the most, the most polite killers I've ever met. <laughs> which again kind of dark humor but it's it's the truth but um so so how did so you you put the paperwork in 9 11 and then you you went infantry first is that how is that like the normal pipeline um statistically that's the normal pipeline we don't have like an x-ray program or anything that where you can bypass uh and go direct entry from joe civi to into any kind of uh sf Mm -hmm. um so yeah, statistically, that's usually who gets in just by the nature of selections and whatnot. Um, it's starting to change a little because we've started up, I wouldn't call it by any means a Navy SF group, but a much more dynamic uh, and selected group that is starting to be drawn from a little bit. Um, and then CSOR, which is the Canadian Special Operations Regiment, um, as they've developed, they've probably now the bigger pool which is uh, drawn from uh, and they're a little bit more like um, uh, I, I would say like conversationally, like they kind of modeled off green berets a little bit more yeah. than any other uh, unit and, and similar mandate and things like that. But yeah, yeah. So uh, infantry. And then I, I was pretty lucky. I got right into uh, and into an airborne company um, dope on a rope stuff. And uh it, it, it fucking sucked it was so like winter which 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 part sucked winter training as an infantier mm-hmm. is 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 pretty awful stuff oh yeah um, you know it, it's it's pretty awful uh 
infantry in general, like it has its moments of, of being really cool, but, but it runs out quick. You know, like my plan was never to hang out with the infantry. Um, yeah. But it, it did. It certainly um, allowed me um, some amazing experiences. Um, like my first rodeo to Afghanistan. Um, it just sits so special because it was, it was so long and I got to encounter Your, the, the first deployment. A, yeah, yeah, to Afghan. Yeah. What year was that? Uh, that was 08. 08. So yeah. now that was a winter deployment too. It was a winter deployment. Um, how long would that be? That deployment? How long was it? It was nine months. That one. Nine months. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we were we were. That was an exceptional year for deployment to Afghanistan because you know how it is, right? Every year had its its flavors and its things and whatnot, and that one mm -hmm. was a, a particularly aggressive winter. Cause you know, at that time, yeah, normally they're not fighting in the winter. You got to wait for the spring yeah. offensive, which they have every year, no matter where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which we did encounter cause we got to go from the fall to the spring pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, for us, it was the most Canadians killed overseas was that winter. Um, they, they changed whatever their, I don't want to really say their tactics, but, uh, their approach to how they were handling it. And, um, yeah, we kind of danced all over from Pakistan up to Helmand area. Uh, we were RAO was the Panjway at the time. That was okay. well before we um, handed it over to the Americans. And um, yeah, it, it was it was a great experience. Um, you know, lots of lots of combat, lots of that kind of military stuff. But also, we really got to, I think, see some of the good that was unfolding at this point you know like it took a while to i don't want to say stabilize but start to see the fruits of every all the nation's efforts like really start to see it you know like see how their 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 afghani their dollar was improving seeing yes. how uh oh man there's a i think at the time we left there was 6500 new schools i know like when i say that like it's not like they're like schools like we have here there lots of them were one rumors and whatnot but still the fact that all these people are being educated um and you know the attempt to break the cycle was there like th those things were like pretty moving you know um women women uh not wanting us to leave like that for people who don't really fully understand like the backwoods of afghanistan you know women don't actually really express their opinion too much no and never to, like and to want you know these groups to to not pull out uh to stay was hyper impactful uh on me and that's um, like the construction of highway one at that point isn't it trying to trying to trying to link stuff together for the economy and all that goodness yeah yeah and um, then you get the uh one of you wasn't one of your stories where you, you're watching people like supposedly helping put the the highway together but they're really just putting the largest homemade explosive ied <laughs> ever yeah um at the time what is that what is that what is that so i I don't know like uh, uh, if they found more, but yeah, that happened a few times actually where you watch these, these groups workers and like, so folks at home, like literally it's like this road is unfolding inch by inch as they go. Cause mm -hmm. the idea is to make a secure road that they can't bury bombs in. Right. So there's cement on yeah. both sides and then black topped. And that's the idea. So inch by inch, it's not like it gets like how we do it, where we'll plow out the area and all that kind of stuff. So there's always this group, <laughs> right at the beginning of it, right? At uh -huh. the edge of it. Um, 
and somehow, no matter how much vetting we do, there was always the assholes who would get in there. And, and sometimes it's almost funny to watch because you're watching <laughs> and it, it's like, it's like hunting wascally wabbits, you know, like to <laughs> be sneaky, you know, like, so like they sit down and then something comes out of their man jammies, you know, and it's like, what? Uh -huh. Like, you know, man jam yeah, is, a, is a technical term. It's a technical <laughs> term. Yeah. yeah. That's in the uh, army's. Um... But anyways, yeah, that, that was literally the second day we were there. We were driving from oh, Kandahar. No shit. Yeah. And um, one of our drivers in, uh, so sometimes we'd use the, uh, you guys call them strikers, but uh, yes. labs to move around. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was watching this and, and you know how it is, right? The human behavior, when it's off, it's off. And you're like, yes, something's yep. off. Um, and then, uh, so we were watching it and then we ended up going to Massamgar, which is one of the, uh, eventually it was a fob sized area, uh, for the Canadians. And we were watching from the hilltop, got called in. Um, luckily, uh, it was stopped before anything mass. I can't even remember how much HME was there, but it was like a massive amount. And, um, so it was like kind of crisis averted. They, they tried that a few times at different areas where, you know, the farmers were, we're farming and, uh, you know, you catch them, put a bullet in it or whatever. Um, but it got good because that now at this time, you know, ROEs had opened up. The arcs were massive for even the, the general military. Like it was pretty much, I don't remember what the actual, like, you know, two, four dot nines or whatever they were, but it opened it right up. So any level of intent was intent enough. Really? And, yeah, like it, it, that was just in the the general army. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. dude had a cell phone. Didn't yeah, even, that well, yeah, that's a trigger. Could be, you know, and and well, that was the thing, right? You still use your discernment. It's not like yeah, yeah, you got to sleep at I, night, right? I've always said that too. That the more latitude they give us, the better we're going to be because we're not. I mean, from what I've seen, we're not murderers, and uh, it's it's better to have the ability to do something, but decide not to on your own as opposed to someone telling you you can't do this because then you're you get into second guessing yourself under fire which you can't do in a, a split second well um could be could be life and death for you or your or your friends um but so the striker the strikers are armored but like not i mean some of those bombs they put in the road they can take out armor that's just like a death trap yeah well that's what they became um similar for you guys you know uh one they're a flat bottom vehicle yes so it, there's very little deflection like eventually they got out like the things like the rg series and stuff like mm -hmm. that where they're like okay if we can deflect some explosion but yeah some like um yeah some of it and not always right like i remember ripping around sitting on blast blankets and you know like driving it's like you're blast kind of puckered right yeah the whole time that's one of those things talking about stress too that's like living in stress constantly driving anywhere because that can just happen and and um it did you ever get hit no, not over there. So we we didn't use the vehicles all that much. Um, but when we did, except for on that little bit of blacktop we talked about, which wasn't much because we didn't go that way. That was to the mm -hmm. east of our AO mostly at that time. Um, when we did take vehicles, it was fucking tank with a plow. Cool. The, or the rollers. And we would just like plow through their fields. We wouldn't take the roads as much as yeah. possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we just make our own roads and then with the badgers and the anti, uh, explosive stuff. So those got hit quite a bit, um, pretty surprisingly about like, uh, I think people would be surprised at how many, maybe still fucking stooshed away bombs there are. Oh, they're um, still there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So never, never like that. Um, some RPG stuff and that kind of jazz and uh, lots of small arms fire, but never, we were, we were fortunate because that would, would it sucked as we walked everywhere. Yeah. That, I mean, that does suck. That, that has some, uh, I mean, walking has some high points because you're not on the road, but then what I, what I noticed they started doing was uh, funneling, putting up obstacles. They have to funnel someone right to an IED and, you know, hitting an IED walking, is not good either yeah um, so the same thing though we would um we would we'd make our own route now you know i mean like we did this but this is like an extreme case like when you're walking against the green of a grape row instead mm-hmm. of through oh, the yeah. grape row, you know what i mean like it's it's yeah. difficult right it's desert yes. even it in sucks. the winter it's, it sucks but it makes you way less predictable you know when you're climbing oh, yeah. things so i it sucked but i i think that was one of the reasons our platoon was very uh, successful well, so now that i'm getting into the interview parts of the operator podcast one thing a lot of us had in common was dipping tobacco it's a culture in the military get up early to have a dip dip after every meal dip after every jump during runs in the kill house dipping on the range during briefs while giving briefs if you're enlisted uh, but i wanted to get away from tobacco and um I found an alternative. If you're a current dipper and 21 years old or up, you should give black buffalo a try. It's the same ritual without the tobacco. There's no tobacco, leaf, or stem. It's made out of edible green leaves. There is pharmaceutical-grade nicotine in some. There's also nicotine-free versions. But again, their food-grade ingredients is just the ritual. It's the same texture, the same feel. We got it in straight. We got it in pouches. There's flavors, mint, winter green, like I said, straight, peach, Blood orange, um, you're getting the same feeling, the same ritual without the tobacco. So like I said, give it a try if you're a dipper at blackbuffalo.com and use code THEOPERATOR for 15% off your first purchase. That's blackbuffalo.com, born in the Midwest, raised in the South, blackbuffalo.com. I love reading uh, social media and stuff that people say because there's a lot of fun stuff out there, but anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day the headlines seem to get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right away. You never know when the next shoe will drop, and when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to mypatriotsupply.com. Dot com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too mypatriotsupply.com once again we are talking about guns and every time we do if i'm not talking about certain things uh, i get into others and whenever you go to others you get some comments in this comment section which i like to have but one thing i have been telling you to do is check out um f1 firearms they got a they got a new one out the bdrx 15 is the most modern design incorporated with skeletonized technology. It's the flagship model, and it utilizes a grid billet receiver set and is fitted with the matched free-floating X7 Amazon Mike handguard for monolithic appearance. The BDRX-15 is the platform of choice 
that stands out from the rest and is available to be customized in multiple configurations and colors. These are 16-inch uppers, and you can pick from black nitride, stainless steel. There's a 223, 300 AAC, or 7.62. And like I said, the colors are awesome, black, red, silver, blue, or green. So just a kick-ass new gun. Um, there's also, you can find other stuff with F1 firearms like the uh, HDR-10. It's a 308, and you got to check out their pistols. The five and a half inch, eight and a half inch. Um, they have a lot of the same finishes, but there are more to come. Really right rail systems and uh, custom thumb and finger resets to keep your index in line with the apex of the trigger. And uh, F1 Firearms, I've mentioned before, wants to keep you happy. So you can customize these guns with sick anodized colors. They're different grips, lightweight with paracord. I mentioned skeletonized technology, uh, 5.56 Durabolt. Bolt carrier group, law enforcement, military models, AR-15, AR-10, 9mm. Every um, receiver system is set to fit out of the box. The rails are contoured to the upper, so there's no wiggle. The angle of the safety can be custom, different colors, different angles, all that stuff. They're as pretty as you want, they're as cool as you want, and they are ready to make you look good, shoot better, and just be basically cooler. But definitely uh, go to check out F1 Firearms. Badass. On the heels of the second largest bank failure in U.S. history and the eighth interest rate hike within a year, 186 more banks are at risk of collapsing and your bank could be next. Unless the Fed does what they did just back in March and print $300 billion out of thin air, making your dollar worthless. Not to mention the recession risk that could have a significant impact on your investment and retirement accounts. Take my advice, protect your financial f uh, future with something real. Gold and silver for my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver, or if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. Since the beginning of time, there has been only one universal currency that is always of value, and that's gold. Allegiance Gold has the highest ratings in the industry, five stars with TrustLink, a AAA rating with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. You can invest with confidence because of the quality and service of Allegiance Gold. Get up to $5,000 in free silver on a qualifying purchase when you visit protectwiththeoperator.com. That's protectwiththeoperator.com, or you can give them a call at 844-790-9191. Don't let the Fed play Monopoly with your money. Protect your future with Allegiance Gold. Visit protectwiththeoperator.com, protectwiththeoperator.com, or give them a call at 844-790-9191. What was now, what was the mission for you guys there? Did you go to like uh, forward operating bases and then and the presence patrols or what were you doing? Yeah, so we ended up doing a bunch of stuff. Um, we were working out of uh, kind of combat output posts, like smaller fob areas along the Argandab River. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so presence patrols, um, doing reccees and things like that. Uh, when we first got there, though, we started collapsing those down. So that was kind of the first task was collapsing those down. But most of it is presence patrol. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, doing raids, you know, which are just kind of like doing hits on places, things like that. Um, and then we started going into cycles of QRF and things of that nature. For, for um, other dudes that are in combat, or you go quick reaction force for them? Yeah, yeah. So, um, how, how often now, how often were gun, like, were you going out every day or any time off? And were there just gunfights every day, or how was it? Um, no, I wouldn't say it was gunfights every day. 
Um, but most of the time we'd go out and there'd be a little something, you know, a little, mm-hmm. uh, cause we were, we were, we were also helping shut down, uh, you know, drug factories and things of that yeah, nature. Yeah. Um, you know, Pred that's feed a, might that's a complete we, different conversation too, because uh, I think we made a lot of enemies by fucking with their drug trade. Cause you're well, t- you know, taking away some livelihood is not, I mean, we, they're going to get some what we should have done is help them regulate their opiate trade and bought it for our codeines or whatever not codeines but whatever we use you know like oh, look at that them a look solution. at that a solution that <laughs> it's something that makes sense that's what's probably why we didn't do it that's well brilliant. you know for those who don't know not everyone who grew opium over there was they, they that was they were farmers the same yeah, as farmers. we would grow mm-hmm. crops here right yep and yeah okay it went lots of it did go into you know funnel into russia and stuff like that but if we would have just instead of creating more hostility yes indeed exactly right purchased it put a little bit of regulation on it i think it would have been of a it would have that would have that's a solution that's a great solution yeah um because it it was that was a tough one right like i I don't know um like you sit back and you watch you you know this man is watching his livelihood burn for his family and whatnot like and he's not you can tell he's not the guy trying to get arms through the trade right like yeah that's the issue right it would funnel through the taliban or whatnot and but we i think we could have stopped that and that would have mm-hmm. i did too. Uh, we weren't super aggressive with that um but you know we did quite a few of them and it did always make for good shows because we're blowing them up you know um yeah but no not every day i i it, it was it was quite a bit though um like right from the get-go we we, we, we so you're sh- you're experiencing a lot of firsts then like the first time you get shot at the first time an ied goes off the first time you kill someone the fr- like that's like it's a lot of sensory overload i think oh i found it that way anyway my my first time and then you know getting into the into the groove but what was that like um well so i talked about when we set up at Massamgar. mm-hmm the next day we jumped into the Argandam river, which is dry, you know, kind of like a Phoenix river or something. And we're driving, it's about an eight hour day. Uh, and we're dropping off people at these, these different, uh, combat outposts. Like they're, they're really tiny. Like I can't remember all their names, but like Haji Zangabad. And there was one more, um, not all the way up to oh, go ahead. How, how big are the outposts? I'm like, how many people are in there? Yeah. Um, so, one of them, I think, was like a section size plus a bit of ANA, some Afghan dudes. Yeah. Um, but very small, very, very small, um, just some Hessian and like maybe a sea can. Nothing, nothing glorious at all. No, no Wi Fi, like nothing, oh, you know? Yeah. That's a um, <laughs> piss tubes and surrounded by the enemy. Piss tubes. Yeah. It's surrounded <laughs> by the enemy. That's exactly what it was. And, and we're going up this river, you know the like i said we had the badgers and stuff and so ieds are going off and then um all the way up we're being hit you know mortar fire rpg uh and you're talking about first like even the first time a jdam goes off yeah close to you is like holy oh okay (laughs) yeah those are are legit Mm -hmm. yeah like to feel all these different uh, explosions and um be you know returning fire and all that kind of stuff um and it happened all day and then right up until we got to ours because we were in the last one the last outpost yeah and so sun's going down and we're doing a handover but it's literally like high fives and i'm out out. (laughs) like okay that was the handover got it you know and then we kind of like 
out of the vehicles or like, okay, what's going on. And then mortar fire starts coming in um, and getting hit. And it was like, okay, this is, this is, this is something, you know what I mean? But what, what was really cool. Um, like I said, I, I, the morals of it, you know, is, is a conversation for another time, but mm -hmm. along the way, uh, one of these things, if you get a mortar team, if you kill a mortar team, they, they don't have like a backfill like we right. do to like yeah. bring up another pro level mortar team. So these things, what they do is they off balance the enemy. And that's the whole reason why you do have aggressive presence um, and do try to store, store this hornet's nest. Cause that was one of the things that happened is the, the group before us, they got kind of word that they're going to shut down. And what they did is they stopped doing that because yeah, they right. didn't want to get hit anymore. And and I, I get it. I get it, man. You, you start yeah, losing so people, I. you know, the, the crew starts thinking about things differently um for us it was like okay no regress we're going to take this i think it was like the 290 easting you know we're going to push west and we're going to we're going to hold it a bit more and what it does though is like i said keeps them off their toes because they can't just regenerate these they, they don't have a a training field for their mortar crews they don't right, have yeah. for their 84 mils you know they don't have these um so it started to offset them right away and then we were able to continue that and continue that and um you know like just that first combat outpost. Um, yeah. I, I don't remember, you know, we got into a bunch of good firefights there and, and, you know, we, like you, we only had one guy get shot. Um, and he, it wasn't, it was, he was able to come back after two months. Um, Oh really? Yeah. It, it, he soaked up the, the round through, uh, the stock of the gun and then okay. pushed his, uh, armor, his, uh, his Kevlar into him which was okay. crazy to pull out, you know what I mean? Yeah, the medic sure. were there pulling it out of them. Um, but it oh, you were there for it, that? Yeah. Yeah. So he got hit and then we, we took him out of the tower and then I went and I helped out with the medic and it was kind of, it was pretty funny because we get him into there and it's just him and I, and this is like maybe, maybe a couple of days after like this, that epic day, like a lot of people might not fully realize what it's like to be in combat for eight hours. Like, um, that's insane. Taxing. That's an insane amount of time. I think it, two minutes is a long gunfight. Two minutes can be a long gunfight. So all day we're in and out of this shit. And then Jeez. a couple of days later, this is going on. And, um, they're, they're, they were starting to get pretty uh, sneaky with their tactics, like multi-pronged approaches, you know, using like explosives to set off like they were they're getting a little bit more clever um comparatively um and i just say that kind of like a bit pejoratively i suppose but um anyways he gets hit we bring him down bring him in there and i'm i'm there with the medic and he's on the gurney and like the medic's eyes are like like oh okay you know i've I prepared for this but this yeah is, it's a first this is actually happening you know mm -hmm, this is real um this is real yeah and anyways, it worked out good. We, you know, um, at, at the time our, our, our advanced medicine or not advanced, but, uh, pre-surgery medicine was so good. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, like there, there's whether they wanted you at the end of the day or not, like we had guys lose multiple limbs, both legs and an arm and survive, you know, like again, whether they want to or not, like yeah, no a kidding. different story. Um, anyhow, deal with that. And you know, I step outside of this contain the sea can, basically it's just an armored sea can. Mm -hmm. And I squat down and I have like this, like, it, it's kind of still, it's trickling into the night. Um, and it's still going on a little bit and then boom, an explosion. And I just see this huge chunk of shrapnel. Shit. You know, sometimes you just catch things. Yeah. I hit the ground yeah. and come and then it goes 
right into the uh the has oh right beside me and i was like holy crap yeah and i'm behind some walls you know so like it exploded high and came through like that um not even to this day maybe a, an rpg or something i can't even remember what it was but uh and that kind of that was that was the flavor that was the tone of the the tour and um it played out maybe not as aggressively like it had its uh its ups and downs like that mm-hmm. um but it was like that and we fucking we did our job and uh yeah it had it had its moments <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's sporty um it's sporty yeah that's that's, that's crazy just thinking like, i think i mentioned something earlier like when something almost happens and it's so fast that haven't how big was that piece of shrapnel that almost slammed in your like, face you know like like this big like oh shit yeah a hand-sized piece of shrapnel flying at your that's insane i mean yeah. that's and and that i mean that something that fast can turn a great deployment into a really really bad deployment awful just awful insane. like insane yeah. and, and and you know how it is that's how it is at every moment just about yep. you know yeah. as much as we and try that, to control yeah that's the stress thing i i mean i know uh, um i knew of a guy that was on the fob um a big one big uh port operating base leaving the porta potty and got hit with a mortar and killed them it's like it, it's some of those things where that's got to be the stress in there it's eventually going to get to you that any and like the people driving around uh iraq just waiting any moment any moment any moment it's it's just insane that the, 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 that's that weighs yeah. on your psyche craziness yeah yeah well, that's why like uh um i'm still like i'm hesitant to talk about it because it still kind of gets me like it's oh, yeah. good to be chatting you know like i would much prefer chatting in person about it yeah like, yeah uh, i agree you know what i mean some stuff should be offline right some stuff's offline um yeah. but also something that happened to me just a couple weeks ago for the first time so yeah the very first time you get shot at you kind of like you said your world closes in and you're like okay this is real and this is actually happening you know mm-hmm. your body's adjusting um but i always took it it felt more like excitement after that than yeah no i agree fear. i agree yep it was just excitement totally yep and it wasn't until last week i had a dream and it was it wasn't even like um I don't think it happened actually in Afghanistan. It wasn't like really a, uh, a necessarily stressful time. Like, I don't even think it was during a gunfight, you know, a dream is right. You can't remember everything, mm-hmm. but I, it like, actually I felt the stress of it for the first time where it was like, okay, yeah, it felt like excitement at the time. That was my body's defense mechanism to kick mm-hmm. some ass, but it was actually like, it, it's a full fear response. And, um, since then, since a little while ago, actually after Mike's podcast, um, I've been a little bit more cautious with it because I don't know what's going to be opened. Um, yeah, I can see I that. Go, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I have a pretty good lid on my life, um, but I also like, okay, you don't know when it's going to pop up and be like, oh, uh, yep. shit, I agree. You know? I, I, yeah. That's, uh, can, hey, can you, I, I did listen to Mike. Mike's uh, podcast. Can you tell me that story with the uh, interpreter you guys had that his family was kidnapped? Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, that's a crazy story too. That's something that I would think looking back, maybe, maybe we could have done something different. Can you just tell that story? Yeah, yeah. Um, so these are the things that happen. You know, like this, these things happen quite a bit, right, over a career, where, um, for me, it brings up the term of moralistic wounding, right? Like where 
one looks back and they're not a hundred percent sure if the right decision was made. Not so much questioning decisions made in real time because decisions made in real time are decisions made in real time. And we only have so much we can work with. Right. And there's going to be mistakes. Um, yeah, the gist of it was, um, our Tajiman, one of the uh, Terps that we were working with, he was, uh, I think it was, we were, we were at this time we were moving around from little village to little village. So we were in our labs a little bit more. Uh, moving between them so cutting through the desert getting from one little village to the other and we were looking and hitting these uh these drug facilities and um i noticed he was keying in the icom so for those who i'm sure everyone listening to a military podcast is probably familiar with an icom is but it was the radio that we would use to monitor their radios yes um basically motorola a radio shack level stuff, you know, and <laughs> not encrypted or whatnot. Um, of course, that's a walkie talkie. It's <laughs> a walkie talkie. Yeah. yeah. Another uh-huh. fancy. Um, <laughs> obviously they're using their kind of cloak and dagger language, but I noticed he was keying in. Yeah. Holding it. And um, that that's a no go, right? Because yes, it is. We're, we're in the command vehicle. I'm there with the platoon commander. I'm, um, you know, with the weapons debt, the lab sergeant. So we're, we're the ones kind of, talking about everything that's going on and um at, at first i was like huh you know okay that's strange and then he then he you know he stopped and whatnot i mean probably looking back he probably was like oh fuck someone saw me do this right yep happened a couple more times and then i i, I got one of my buddies cookie i was like hey you got to take a look at this um am i just seeing shit and um no not seeing shit he's actually doing this so we sent it up the chain he's uh instantly pulled out you know, MPs, the military police grab them, do their thing on them through, uh, inter- not interrogation, but, you know, interrogation, nothing, nothing, uh, just probably just wasn't hard to get it out of him because he's probably yeah. wound up like a top because it turns yes, he out is. like one, he's, he's a Terp. So he's wound up Two, in this case, uh, his family was kidnapped his his wife and kids. I can't remember how many kids. Uh, were kidnapped by the Taliban and he was forced to to spy on us in essence. Yeah. Uh, so here's, this is the part where it gets really fucking nasty in, in war, right? Where we're put into these positions um, and things play out properly or improperly, whatever, you know, but uh, for us, for me, this is a, for me thing. Uh, he was released out the front gate. You know, he's not really a threat to us. Mm-hmm. He's definitely not going to be working for the coalition again, no. um, but he wasn't, you know, his stuff checked out, right? Sent out, uh, he's kidnapped by the Taliban. He's hung in a grape hut. Um, we find him. Uh, I can't remember. It was like a patrol that went out around. Yeah. The, at this point, they're, we're at the cop at uh, Spruengar. He's found, he's dead. He's hung. You know, now his family, well, who knows what happened to them? They were probably yeah, killed. He probably just killed right next to him or nearby. But these are, and you, you're familiar with these, all these micro moments that happen throughout all those years where they're not deemed important enough to, to take a different action on where potentially, you know, we could have played this out a little bit differently and we could have followed a thread back to these, the, the, not the chances of anyone actually helping out to find like his kidnapped wife and child are almost zero, 
but to trace it back to the network that may be doing this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and potentially put something out there. Anyways, that was one, that's one of the ones, you know, the, that, um, came up for me as one of those moral wounds where it's like, I, I didn't really do anything wrong, but like, no, I'm also attached to a situation that played out. Like it was just like a shit sandwich. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. That's the total rock in a hard place. That's, um, um, and that's something I think you can second guess Monday morning quarterback over and over and over. What, what do we do for this dude? But again, you're, I mean, you're dealing with the Taliban who can quite frankly, just be animals. And they they don't. I mean, yeah, they, just just no just ROEs. hanging him because he got he got busted. No, 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 no rules. No, nah, none of that. Just a uh, just bad dudes. And that's. I mean, that's you know that, that's some of those people over there. Uh, so that wasn't with JTF two though. But you did go to uh, so Joint Task Force two is the tier one special forces. And what I like about this is that you can't really say there's a Joint Task Force one, but there's JTF two. And I kind of like when when they started SEAL Team six, they had SEAL Team one. SEAL Team 2 and it's SEAL Team 6 because they knew the Russians would say, well, there's 1, 2, and 6. Where the hell are 3, 4, and 5? So I kind of dig that. That's kind of some secret squirrel shit. Just, just briefly. Secret the, squirrel. <laughs> the, um, the, the selection course is about 10 months, isn't it? Or the selection's a week, and then there's a, what do you call it, a salter course that's 10 months to get into it? Yeah, and it and it continues on as, as, a, as part of the selection. So there's like, it's a multi-phase. So there's phase one is selection, phase two, phase three, and then phase four. Okay. Uh, phase one and two are mostly paperwork and some low level physical fitness stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. and then some psych evaluations and some testing like that. Phase three is the week long, uh, like basically I I'd actually, I don't want to call it hell week cause it is different than hell week. Um, just like how hell week is part of an ongoing selection within mm -hmm. buds. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's designed what they call a, a neuropsychological test. So all your behavior is monitored as you go through, and then that's backtracked into cognitive traits uh, throughout many different um, scenarios over and over. And then obviously it's highly demanding. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, all the sleep deprivations and things like that. Um, what kind of tests are they doing to you? They're monitoring you. What are they, what kind of tests are they? Well, they're mostly scenario-based. One of the big things they're looking for is not just adaptability, but teachability. Um, so, you know, you know, you could get a op, um, not even a full op, just orders come down into attachment to an op. You know, you're shown a face, you're given this, it's like minimal, minimal info. And then you're sent to an objective. Yeah. You have your principles that you run on, like your CQB mm -hmm. skills and shooting and whatnot, but like the whole scenario can be built up on three little moments of like, okay, well, what's coming? You know what I mean? Kind of like um, getting on this podcast last minute, you know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Is he still, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is a guy. I, I, yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't figure out the damn computer. So deal with it. <laughs> it was almost like we, we would have drills in our selection for, for dev group where we're, um, they would give you a problem set knowing there's not, not everything connects. There's not a solution. How do you, how do you handle it type shit? Yeah. Well, so they're starting to look at interpersonal dynamics, right? Like when, when your stress levels go up and you're working with people or individually, like, what do you do with this information? How do you, do you continue to attack it? Do you try to switch prongs right. and attack yep. it? You know, yep. like, um, cause that's really kind of the, the, the full expression of a soldier, right? Is here's problem. You fix it as, yes. as you move up the echelon how you fix it broadens, right? Like mm -hmm. once you're in dev, you have a whole different selection or a set of not just tools, 
but you're expected to probe at different angles versus hammer through the the front door as like you know like that scalpel approach but where do you use it right so mm-hmm. uh you know things like of that nature that are um also designed to um specifically tax your sensory input and arousal control centers you know um so like if something as simple as flashing lights while really? the complex situation and then certain noise inputs you know certain frequencies things like that designed to comp- try to discombobulate you and all these things what they do is um they draw you into a fear state which reduces your possible solution set so you know a more capable person you know i use the word consciousness or whatnot however you want mm-hmm. to say it is able to remain with a higher solution set they're able to continue to function in that environment um so that's kind of like the 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 one week you know and then it's it's yeah. it's really um and and, you, and you'll understand this when i say it. it's not really designed to just test you physically like it is in there as part of seeing who you are mm-hmm. um, but they already know before that that you you get the physical fitness you know that's um that's part of it now they want to know like what's your psychology like what are your yeah. character Mm-hmm. That's everyone that's yeah everyone's the proven they have the physical ability now how can how can your mind handle that's that's good then and yeah. so then then the assaulter course is after that and that's just is that like because ours was like uh uh jumping uh hey halo hey ho cqb and then you know military operations urban terrain but everything sort of was based on cqb because it's going to come down to a room or a cave entrance something like that was that kind of like what you guys did yeah yeah so it's like i was saying it's about 10 months it, that could have shifted by now you know it's it's yeah. We're always trying different little pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, something similar, yeah. Uh, so I don't really remember the exact flow, you know, because it, it changed our year, change and then they yeah. change it back. Actually, they change um, ours yeah, all the time. Insert, yeah, insertion, extraction methods. Um, like you said, a high, high portion of CQB uh, months uh, would CQB basic and then advanced. Because, yep. like you said, um, that is the you know shoot, move, communicate, think. That's kind of the core. Yes. And then you build up all that, right? You, you you take that piece of clay now and then show them how to get in and get out, get in and get mm-hmm. out, and then um, interact with other people. And then there's like um, the gray, the green, the gray, and the black roll as mm-hmm. well, um, where black roll is your more traditional CQB, you know, kind of black op style. And then mm-hmm. gray is plain clothes stuff that's... Um, almost always less kinetic, um, but can turn kinetic. And then your green, which is your traditional soldiering and camis and whatnot out in the bush. And then, yeah, you combine those things together, but each, each way is still, you know, highly evaluated. You're still being scrutinized, you know, all those peer assessments, like it's a constant chopping block, like the dice cubes always being shaved. Yes. Um, Great. I like that analogy. For me, that was one of the most stressful things I ever went through because of that nature of it. Right. You're just, you know this thing, selection never ends. And because never. selection never ends, it's always going to add a bit of stress, right? Because it's us. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I, I like how you said, you know, basic CQB, then advanced CQB. And for us, it kind of came back to basic CQB just because if you master the basics, you're going to be good at it. And what I mean, you've been asked this, I'm sure, and I get asked a lot was, was your CQB the same as Delta Force, the same as Canadian Special Force, same as the SAS? It's like sort of because it always, especially in combat, it came back down to, if the guy in front of me goes left, I'm going to go right. 
And that's just keep doing that over and over. <laughs> Cause like we had, we had certain tactics that uh, we had one hallway. If, you, if you've been to the kill house at Damnick, there's the, like the third floor is designed for a tactic called Angleman corner boy. And I think that eight years at red team, we never got that right one time just because it's like, <laughs> just keep it simple. Just here. Don't, you know, don't choose someone who looks like you. There's your tactics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I think people get confused when we talk about principles as opposed to drills, right? Um, principles leave a little bit of open space where, the operator can adapt a little bit, but, but the principles, you know, of like open doors, closed doors, principles of this, mm -hmm. where they are located on walls stay the same, right? right? Mm -hmm. Where a drill is a little bit more like robotic in its nature. Um, and th that, that's one of the things that comes from that. It, it is funny how like complex that can get, especially. Oh yeah. Um, you can make it us, complex. Mm -hmm. We would use, um, because of, so in Canada, most walls aren't made of concrete in your house. Most of them are made of plaster and wood. So that changes the dynamic of how we would do CQB um, because we have zero protection other than, you know, cover from observation. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a little bit of a different dynamic there. Um, I wouldn't personally want to have to use that, that style in any kind of combat zone. You just, I think you're, unless it would, you know, like a, like a prime minister level kind of, kidnapping or whatnot you know what i mean where you you'd sacrifice potentially some of those safety measures um but that just added to the, like the, the complexity thing but in like you said when it all boils down to it you do those basics um they mm -hmm. actually do work really well uh, especially when you do it as a team um together really well yes and um <clears throat> the whole slow is smooth smooth is fast you don't realize how fast you're actually going until you slow down and that's more efficient, but you're still moving out. That's, but yeah, the tactics do change your everything, you know, combat clearance, hostage rescue, whatever what it's, that's um, yeah. But that, and that is now I heard also that wasn't there a, cause it's hard to say because people will ask what's the attrition rate for selection. Um, and it's hard to say cause it differs for, from every class, but didn't, didn't one of your classes like completely disappear? Yeah. Yeah. So we've had years where no one's gone through um, selection. How many guys start and out? So it's thousands in the phase one and two portion. Really? Uh, and then phase three is usually just uh, three or four serials of about 30 guys. Um, never, I don't think more, it might be a little bit less. So that's all, it's only like, you know, 120 people by the time they get to phase three. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, sometimes the ice cube shaved right down during the assaulter course. Um, but you know how it is. Like we, like you even said, you know, your, 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 your your version of the assaulter course changes over time mm -hmm. but the standards are never going to be lowered just to have people come in yeah um and that's something and that's, we wrestle with a lot because we're that's such a big a small one. unit um within a small military um so like sometimes some years it's just hard to keep up with like retirement you know people retiring yeah uh, versus people coming in um i think that's changed a little bit over the years like surprisingly Afghanistan, Iraq era, it, it boosted a lot of things, you know, it got people interested in the military more yes. and, and then, you know, thousands more opened up, but right now we're in a very liberal, uh, guided Canada. And so that always means our military is going to be dwindled. Uh, recruiting goes way down, all those kinds of things. Um, yeah, we're getting there too. A lot of the woke bullshit coming in, um, is keeping, 
you know, some some do-gooders are staying out because it's, you know, the military is the wrong thing to do, and some really good people aren't going in because of the, some of the woke shit being taught. And I think it's just like an ebb and flow type thing. Um, so you get through this. Just um, where? How many deployments did you do with JTF two? That one I'm going to keep a lid on if you don't mind. Cool. Fair, fair um, enough. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, what about uh, um, what about the famous shot? Can you just explain what's going? Where you guys were? And I know that's a sensitive issue too. No big deal. Um, yeah, well, I'll, I'll touch on it. Uh, one of our guys, Dallas Alexander, uh, um, he was on um, Sean Ryan, Sean Ryan show, and he talked yeah. about it and got his pee pee slapped a little bit there. I don't want you getting in any trouble at all here. Uh, no, no, I, I'll, I'll just <laughs> the only thing I would say is like, good luck beating it. Um, because as far as a shoulder fired shot goes, yeah, that how far was that shot? Uh, 3.4 kilometers. <laughs> See, at the beginning at the beginning of the show i said you went to the best sniper course in the world and i said that simply because what else do you need to see look at that yeah. shot you guys hit how did i mean what's what was going is that in, in mosul yeah that was in mosul as uh oh geez i don't even remember what the iraqis basically uh the peshmerga are pushing through and at this point the u.s canada you know we'd rebuilt their their special forces and they were starting to do their dash push and um yeah just the fact that it i don't know if the video is still available like i hope it is or yeah because well that's isn't that what got dallas in a little bit of trouble is he showed some pictures of the hide side or something yeah you know i i, I don't know the exact things but it, just yeah. the fact that it was captured on video uh such an epic shot and um, uh epic like the greatest shot of all time <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like I, I jokingly say that, but it's just, I don't even think our shoulders could handle a big enough round to push past that. You know what I mean? Like to, and then to really kill someone, there's some long caliber, um, like really long bullets right now being used mm -hmm. that are really great for multi-mile shots. Um, but they, they start to lose their, their oomph a little bit. And, um, yeah, yeah they, they, they're going to they slow down because they... I mean, it's a shot that far. How how long from trigger to impact? About ten seconds. Jeez. Uh, like in and, ten seconds. Like it really slow yeah. down and shout out Ted. Think you know, about ten ten seconds, and then so that because you got when you shoot. I I went to sniper school. When you shoot, um, if you shot a bullet out of a gun and dropped a bullet at the same time, they're dropping at the same rate. So yeah. if you're shooting that far for ten seconds, what would you think the apex of that trajectory? Oh. How high did it get? I mean, that's got to be. You know, I, I wish I knew off the top of my head, but it's it's a lot of feet. It's a lot of feet. Because um, you've got to get you've got to get into uh, calculating the rotation of the Earth, assuming the Earth's round and not flat, like a lot of people on on, on the internet say. Well, but, uh, that's the thing about long range shooting is it kind of shows that the Earth isn't flat. It, you know? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, so now, what was now was the target a single dude or what were what were they doing? Uh, yeah, that one was a single dude. Uh, they were starting to do some stacking up and stuff. Um, but there is another shot that was made that I hope gets revealed and it wasn't, um, a single dude. Um, they were shooting API and, yeah. uh, it's an even cooler shot that I hope one day gets talked about. Well, I, I I'm, I'm right here when you want to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. But, but cause I was, cause I was thinking about this. I haven't seen the video, but if you're taking a, a 3.5 click shot, um, and I, I would prefer to shoot at a group of dudes. So my chance of hitting one of them, Hedge increased. The bets, I'll say, yeah. yeah, I was aiming right at him, aiming for that crack in the wall. <laughs> That's right where I wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. And I, I do appreciate that, but it's funny how it all works out, right? It was because of an introduction through our American counterparts 
uh, and Delta that led down this path that just was ripe for how we um, have our sniper set up. Our sniper setup's a little bit different. It's it's housed separately uh, and less within the teams. And that just created the conditions for us to really attack and pursue this and then use the technology really aggressively um, to lead to these methods and, you know, formulas changed and how we approached it. Um, Cause like it is a phenomenal, anything undone on purpose over like that kind of range, like you're compensating for so many variables yeah. within the environment, so many variables within the gun, so many variables within the ammo uh, at the target, you know, like it, it it's, uh, and, and then, then there's the last one and you know, this one, you don't always get the dude in the perfect spot, right. And in, in no. the, in the, in the speed of battle, it's very rarely that someone wants to walk where a good shot can be made. Right. So that, that's, mm -hmm. yeah, right. That's, that makes it a, a little bit trickier too. Yeah. That's just a, that's a hell of a shot too. I, I'd love to get the full dump on that eventually. And I want to hear about the other shot. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Looking cool. Well, I think uh, I think I really appreciate your time today. This has been a great talk. Uh, we've never met face to face, but I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, if you want to try to pull that big shot on a moose, you let me know. We'll uh, where boats are you? Up. What's that? Where boats are you? Well, I mean, I, I, uh, I I'm in, in between New York and Tennessee, but uh, you know, okay. I, I'm from I'm from Montana. We got moose. They're not as big as Canadian moose and Alaskan moose, but but uh, I've I've killed moose before, and uh, and uh, you know, it's a you know the game animals. But um, yeah. Uh, so, is there anything you want to push, Jeff, before we jump off? Any 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 website we want to we want to talk about? What Citizen Green, or you want to go? Yeah, to yeah. So, anyone uh, who knows a vet or is a vet um, and is interested in uh, Citizen Green, you know, community, all that kind of stuff, but really some good uh, good programming to access um, for free, go to the SpecialForcesExperience.com and then follow the Citizen Green thread, and then to everyone else. Um, we are releasing a documentary, Dark Night of Our Soul, and it's on the concepts of post-traumatic growth, uh, not just for veterans, not just for first responders, but um, for people as a whole. And, and um, we're extremely passionate about this project. And um, yeah, posttraumaticgrowth.film. Check out the uh, trailer and uh, hope to see you on some of the advanced screenings. Very, very cool, man. I appreciate your time today. That was awesome. Uh, and I always have to close with this. Uh, if you can hit the 3.5 kilometer shot you're never out of the fight 